0: ladies and gentlemen live from the west coast it's time for ring talk live Worldwide. your inside look into combat sports yeah brought to you by the wbo the World Boxing Organization.
2: How about that?
0: And now, the host of the longest-running fight show in radio and Internet history. Let's get him.
3: Let's get him hard.
0: Pedro Fernandez. You better grab me quick before my knees give away.
4: Thomasy <laughs> C caballeros, bienvenidos, ladies and gentlemen. Coming at you, emanating from the multi-million dollar sports byline studios in San Francisco, California. Check it. This is Ring Talk Live Worldwide. Austin imitated, but never duplicated, 35, 36, will make that 37 plus years now of radio, knocking out all bums. Basically, my name is Pedro Fernandez, and welcome to Ring Talk Live Worldwide. Of course, today we've got an hour live on Sports Byline, iHeartRadio, Sirius XM, Salary of course, Channel 211, and a plethora of other internet platforms. And you might be listening to the show delayed, either on iTunes, of course, or at Anchor.com on the podcast, so, any of those ways, we welcome you to the longest-running fight show industry ring talk live worldwide. Of course, we've got boxing night happening. Of course, on ESPN Plus. If you don't have the app, well, it's like ten bucks a month. It's worth getting ESPN Plus tonight. Jose Pajaza versus Harvey Molina. These guys are hooking it up at 140 pounds. That's going to be a pretty good fight, no doubt about that. Showtime's got a card going on. Erickson Lubin taking on Terrell Gusha. That's in the WBC super 154-pound, super welterweight eliminator. So straight up, there's a couple of fights on Showtime as well. Next week, the big fight, I think, as far as September is concerned, Josh Taylor. I want to see how good this guy really is. Undefeated, the WB and IBF junior welterweight champion, of course, coming to us from the U.K. This kid can really fight. He was an underdog against Braggis Prescott, and he went out there and he beat that. You know what? Bottom line is, he's a fighter to watch. You are tuned to Ring Talk, live, worldwide, often imitated, but never duplicated. Don't forget, the Charlo brothers are coming back. Did I tell you that? I'm going to waste your time. Yeah, the Charlo brothers are coming back on pay-per-view. So if you want to spend 80 bucks to watch the Charlo brothers fight a couple of guys not worthy of fighting, tune in September 26th to pay-per-view for 80 bucks and the Charlo brothers. Outside of that... I can't, uh, I I wouldn't recommend that, okay? I wouldn't. I, I would recommend jumping off a bridge first. You are tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide.
0: Here comes the decision now. Let's
2: listen.
0: an app so powerful, it holds 20 million songs from 450,000 artists. Thousands of the best live radio stations, custom stations, and stations created just for you. It's anywhere and it's everywhere. Millions of songs, thousands of stations, one free app. iHeartRadio is that easy. Download the app today or listen online at iHeartRadio.com. Now, more of Ring Talk with Pedro
4: Fernandez.
0: You want to
5: take a
4: chance on that? Woo! it's going to be good. 12 minutes past hour, this is Ring Talk Live Worldwide, the Saturday edition. Of course, we come to you Saturday and Sunday on the same station, Saturday and Sunday, 11 a.m. Pacific time, that's 2 p.m. Eastern time. The Saturday show is for an hour. The Sunday show is two hours in duration. Now, straight up. Uh, Panama Lewis was born November 4th, 19, uh, 1945. He died yesterday. This is the best news I've heard in a long time. You know, I don't rejoice in people's death. Okay. But to me, he was the Charles Manson of boxing, the Jeffrey Dahmer of boxing. You couldn't get much worse than this man. He was the scummiest person I've ever come in contact with in my life. Let me, let me lay out the history to you. 1982. Alexis Arguello is fighting Aaron Pryor for the World Junior Welterweight Championship and for some reason Arguello gets busted up like he's never been busted up in 90 fights. I mean, facial injuries like you've never ever seen before him, cuts, bruises, busted bones the whole 9 yards. And you know, we really couldn't figure it out other than the fact that he was moving up in weight. Well, maybe it wasn't just moving up in weight because when they went to look for the gloves, Bill Miller was Alexis Arguello's agent, his sort of manager, quasi manager. He went to look for the gloves. He asked for the gloves afterwards, and the gloves were disappeared from Aaron Pryor's hands in the ring. They disappeared in the ring. They were never found. They were never seen. They have never, ever, ever come to light, not even the trial that took place of Panama Lewis and Luis Resto later. Now, I bring you up to June of 1983. Luis Resto is about to fight Billy Collins in the garden underneath of course Duran and Davey Moore of course hooking it up in June of 18, 1983 for that junior middleweight bout of course that brought Dan Duran back to greatness but Billy Collins was in the the supporting uh, bout the, the semi-main event. So in the dressing room Panama Lewis wraps Luis Resto's hands. Now Luis Resto's a fair fighter, not a good fighter, a club fighter. You know a guy that guy that Billy Collins should like smoke out in about 3 or 4 rounds without too much problems. Okay. So, anyway, they wrap Luis Resto's hands and then they wrap them in plaster of Paris. Remember what that is? Remember when you got a cast, they would wrap the, the bandage around your hand and then they would wrap, they would take that. That thing out and dump it in the water, the warm water, and then they' unroll that ball around your hand and then after a while they'd wet it in it would dry up, and it would be hard as a cast. It was a cast, right well, guess what Panama Lewis did that to Luis resto gloves to luis resto 's hands before the fight. Not only did he do that, he took the stuffing out of both gloves they found the padding they never found the they found the padding okay they also found there were three quarter inch holes cut in the palms of each glove what i 'm trying to tell you is that Panama Lewis killed Billy Collins. Within a year, Billy Collins, once an undefeated junior middleweight, I'm not trying to say Billy was going to become world champion and become the next uh, Marvin Hagler or anything like that, okay? Maybe not. But the bottom line is, he deserved his opportunity. And those guys, they basically murdered him that night. I mean, they hit him so hard. He said, Dad, I remember I was watching the fight from the from the Main Street Theater in Los Angeles, California on closed-circuit television with Hector Martinez, and I remember the kid saying to the father, Dad, it's like he's hitting me with ashtray. Imagine that. Somebody in the ring, a fighter just, they knew, they knew. The Collins Corner knew they went right after the gloves after the fight. Went right after the gloves, tore the gloves off, of course. And then Panama Lewis would eventually stand trial and, of course, go to jail for three and a half years. And Luis Luis Resto would get three years. I think he did like a year and a half. The bottom line is these guys didn't get enough time. Resto spilled the entire beans on Panama Lewis. Talked about how Panama wrapped his hands in, of course, in the plaster of Paris cast. Imagine that a boxer having a cast for a hand, a cast for a hand. Think about that. Holy cow. That's tantamount to hitting somebody with a baseball bat. And this is prize fighting, you know, hand to hand. So anyway, Panama Lewis never admits he's wrong. He never admits it. Of course, he goes to jail. Luis Resto goes to jail. He never admits that they have this big thing on TV, this big documentary. He says he knows no idea how the, the padding got taken out of the gloves, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So... It's February, It's I think February 1995 or 1996. Mike Tyson just got out of prison, maybe it was 96, and it was somewhere around there. Anyway, it was wintertime and it was cold in Philly, I remember that. Because I stepped in a puddle and ruined the $125 pair of shoes. Don King thought that was funny. Anyway, so Don and I are in Vegas in, Vegas in Philadelphia, of course, for the Mike Tyson-Buster Mathis Jr. fight. Of course, Mike on the comeback trail. I think this was fight number two. So anyway, I had the hottest byline at the time, writing for Flash Magazine, Boxing Update Magazine and a few other magazines throughout the world, I had the hottest byline going. So when I was writing about Panama Lewis being the Charles Manson of boxing, all this kind of good stuff, it got back to Panama. So who did I see in Philadelphia? Panama Lewis. Why did I see Panama Lewis in Philadelphia? Because the Philadelphia or the Pennsylvania Boxing Commission licensed Panama Lewis because it said he had paid the the, – the, uh, he had paid a price for his sins. In other words, he went to jail. He never admitted it. He went to jail anyway. This is what Philadelphia said. So they had him licensed, and he was going to work Mike Tyson's corner against Buster Mathis. So he saw me. He said something. I went right at him physically, man. They had to get in between me. Don King said, whoa, whoa. Don, Whoa, Paige, whoa. Because he, he knew. Don, Don said to me later, he goes, you know, i never seen you that mad, Ever i never seen you that man. I said, you know what? I said, I never wanted to hurt anybody as bad I wanted to hurt that dude. He goes, why? I said, because of what he did, Don. I said, you don't, and Don was puffing on a cigar. He goes, ah, oh, Pedro, you got to let that go. That's the, no, no, no. You can't let it go. The bottom line is, when you have a man that is, truly is the Charles Manson or the Jeffrey Dahmer of boxing, he needs to be told that. Now. I was talking with Logan Hobson. He, of course, is the guy that runs CompuBox, and he and I go back 25, 30, maybe 35 years now. Bottom line is, he said that he interviewed Aaron prior after the fight the next morning in his hotel room and that he had bruises on his hands that were like a half-inch big. So what am I trying to tell you? That they took the stuffing out of uh, Aaron Pryor's gloves for the first Arguello fight. That's why the gloves have never been found. I mean, that great of a fight, 1980, 1983, uh, when was 83? 82. Yeah, that great of a fight, 82. Um, that great of a fight, you think the gloves would have been put in some type of museum. Well, guess what? That didn't happen. The bottom line is the gloves disappeared. And guess what? That piece of spit, and I say spit with an H, guess what? He's done. Panama Lewis, may you not rest in peace. You are tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide. You're inside looking to the world of boxing and MMA. Now we take it from my excoriation of the recently deceased Panama Lewis to the Bronx Bomber in New York City. I'm talking about Mr. Socrates Palmer, the PhD of boxing and soccer. I hate to bring you in on such a negative note there, but a very good afternoon to you, sir. Good
2: afternoon, Pedro. Uh, yeah, I mean, sometimes, you know, the truth hurts. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, everyone deserves... Uh, a second chance in life, and and you know, and I believe you know, none of us are perfect. And if you pay your debt to society, and if you show remorse, you know, you should be allowed to somewhat go on with your life. But um, like you said, Panama Lewis never admitted guilt. He kind of took that to the grave with him. And uh, the irony of uh, the Aaron Pryor fight is a you know one of the all-time great classic fights. So you don't hear that. Much about the glove controversy. You know, everything is uh, about the bottle and the mix, and that, that was a, the,
4: that was a sideshow.
2: Yeah, yeah, and it's—I mean, ironic. Panama Lewis is dead. Aaron Pryor is dead, and uh, the aforementioned right. uh, Collins is is dead as well. As the is a, one as
4: is Alexis Arguello.
2: As Alexis Arguello, right? That's crazy. The the only one around is uh, Luis Resto out of that. Uh, drama who actually i knew i know resto uh he was uh always cool with me uh i used to train at the morris park boxing club and just uh you know he he at least admitted it you yeah. know and he's he, he's just he's gonna have to live with that scar he lives with that scarlet letter his whole life you know so
4: it, it, you know and it, it basically was murder because i tell you why folks because Billy Collins became an alcoholic, and maybe he drank beforehand. I know his father had a problem with the bottle as far as him, uh, his life was concerned. I had seen him pot drunk a couple times, so maybe he had a problem with the bottle. But the bottom line is he wasn't drunk that night. He was beaten in a boxing match. He showed up for a boxing match, and somebody ended up taking a, a pair of um, a, of real ha- casted hands and beat on him for, for several rounds, for 10 rounds. At the end of the day, uh, he was dead less than a year later. How? It was a car accident, but a lot of people thought he tried to commit suicide. I called him and tried to get him on Ring Talk Live Worldwide and uh, he didn't want to come on the show. The father didn't want to come on the show. Nobody wanted to come on the show. The bottom line was may he rest in peace, but may Panama Lewis not. Hey, man.
2: It is it is what it is, man. He was definitely a shady character, a notorious figure in sports, and It's crazy that I believe
4: he only did eighteen months for that. Yeah, and you know, people people are applauding him. I mean, there are I'm not going to mention names here because I respect these people, Uh but they're actually applauding him. Rest in peace, good dude. I love this guy. This kind of stuff. You know, I mean, listen, I can't. I'm I'm infuriated because you know, when I think of combat sports, I think of me at sixty five pounds, at sixty four pounds, fighting some guy that was. 58 pounds and me having this big weight advantage over him. realizing this wasn't fair after the fight. You hear what I'm saying? This is stuff that you realize later. It was a six pound weight advantage, but at that, that size, that was an incredible advantage. Okay. I realized that boxing really wasn't all that straight. And there were times when you could bend the rules, you know, like rolling, like they used to take my gloves and they would roll my gloves. They would roll the padding away from the knuckles and that kind of good stuff to give me a better fist and that kind of stuff. Now I didn't consider that cheating. I considered that Bending the rules to an extent, okay? But the bottom line is, at the end right. of the day, I, I wouldn't do anything. I, I, I couldn't fight against a guy like Manny Pacquiao, allegedly, who could recover in 15 or 20 seconds. and It takes me a minute to recover when he's cheating with the Flintstone vitamins, or was alleged cheating, I think he was, okay? Or or a guy hitting me in the face with a plaster of Paris hand-wrapped gloves with no padding in the glove. Yeah,
2: I mean, I guess the only guy that could probably relate to... Uh... The late Billy Collins was, uh, or is, uh, um, Miguel Cotto, who went through something similar uh, with yep. Uh, yep. Antonio Margarito. Yeah. You know, uh, and basically we never saw the. That was kind of like the the last time we saw an elite level Miguel Cotto, and it's a shame because that, it in itself the fight. If, if you if you just when you you know we were naive, no one knew what was going on. That was a great. Great fight between the two and we didn't know that one guy was had a distinct advantage in Margarito. So
4: he too had uh, plaster of Paris pads in his gloves wrapped up wrapped up in his hands, folks. Imagine this. You wrap your hands up in bandages, right? So halfway through the bandages, you put in a piece of like a brick. You put a brick in there. In each hand, you put a brick in there. That's what Margarito did. Bottom line is, he's another guy. I can't believe it. I take that back. He's not the Charles Manson of boxing, but he's close. Margarito and that clown that was with him. Can't think of his name right now. But the bottom line is, maybe they should have been both banned for life. You are tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide. We change gears to talk boxing the positive side after the break on Ring Talk Live Worldwide.
1: That's 877-360-0402.
0: Here's a great way to save money on your prescription medications. If you take Viagra or Cialis, we can give you a way to pay as little as $2 a pill. Now, more of Ring Talk with Pedro Fernandez. Well, you had to talk to my lawyer
2: on that one. Now
4: nah, the trial's over with. Panama Lewis is guilty, and he's dead. Bottom line is, you're tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide, and if I sound like, um, like, um... Like I never liked the guy, like I thought that he was the worst person in the entire world. Yes, I did. May he not rest in peace. This show is dedicated to the excoriation of Panama, Lewis. May he not rest in peace. You are tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide. Your inside look in the world of boxing, MMA. Now, I take it from scum to my, of course, icon from Bronx, from the Bronx. Of course, talking about boxing's only PAC, Mr. Socrates Palmer. So tell me, Sock, what's on your mind this week?
2: Uh, well, we have some good fights on tonight. Uh, nothing great, but good. You know, good fights, uh, evenly matched. Uh, once again, the uh, the boxing fan is true cho- is uh, has to decide what he wants to watch, flipping back and forth. I really wish they wouldn't do that, but then again, they don't care. Uh, between ESPN and Showtime, uh, you have on ESPN Top Rank uh, Jose Pedraza, who is uh, a real classy pro. You know, mm-hmm. a guy that's not great by any stretch of the imagination the times that he's had to step up against some of the best he's come up short um uh, he lost to Lomachenko by decision i mean nothing to really be embarrassed about and then he was devastated by uh Tank Davis which was kind of like Tank's coming out party to show he was a legit uh threat in uh, the world of boxing uh he's taking on former Olympian uh Molina mm, and it Javier should be Molina. a good uh, Javier Molina thank you and uh, should be a, g- a good fight. It's a good crossroads fight. Uh, Javier Molina, when he's had to step up, hasn't been able to uh, to get over the hump. Uh, he, so it's a, it's a real crossroads fight. Uh, former Olympian um, Pedrazza is thirty one. Uh, it's it's kind of like make or break. So it, it, when you have two guys that are kind of desperate, it could be the last time they headline something, and of course it could lead to a title shot. You figure the winner uh it makes for a good fight. Um I'm looking forward to that and uh PBC has uh Lubin against Terrell uh Gausha.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: I'm
2: probably butchering his last name but uh another
4: No, no, no. Gaucho. What I want you to do is I want you to say the tug guy's name. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you folks. Let me T U G S T O G T. Tugster Ogut. Uh, that's what it sounds like. Now you taking out Eduardo Ramirez and the WBC featherweight elimin- eliminator. You know, Larry merchant had to practice those names and he got them down. you know what I'm saying? I mean, I don't think, I, I think if I even practiced that, I couldn't do it anyway. Continue, sir. I'm sorry to interrupt you.
2: Yeah. Well, I think wasn't, is it, is he uh, Indonesian? Is he, that's why uh, the, the, or uh, is it Indonesia that they, they call those guys 3k battery? There's like a bunch of them.
4: Yeah, Thailand, Indonesia, something like Thailand, that. Uh, Thailand. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. So, yeah. Well, the the tugman, uh, you know, I saw him fight once before. Uh, he's he's on tonight. Should be a good fight. But the guy that <laughs> the guy, but the guy that I'm really looking forward to, and he's getting a lot of hype from Philly, but he hasn't really fought anybody. But physically, he's got all the tools. Is uh, Jaron Ennis? Uh, a lot of people are calling him maybe the the most feared man at welterweight, outside of the bigger names, of, you know, Bud Crawford, of course, and and uh, um, Errol Spence or whatnot. But Jaron Innes is kind of like the guy that, okay, we, the boxing media has kind of uh, given Virgil Ortiz the, the mantle of the next big superstar in the welterweight division, and granted because he's a, great, a very talented fighter and he's under good tutelage under uh, uh, Robert Garcia. Mm -hmm. He's also Mexican, so he's got a great fan base. He's a moneymaker in the waiting. You know, but Jared Innes is kind of like under the radar. He's from Philly, so he comes from a fighting family. I'm interested to see him tonight, Um, but he's fighting a guy that you probably expect him to blow out than uh, Abreu. I so he's got a few losses. So. Okay, let's just let's
4: look you know, at, let's look at the numbers here. Of course, N is twenty five, zip <laughs> twenty three KOs. Of course, and Mister Juan Carlos Abreu coming in at twenty three five and one. But he can punch. He's got twenty one stops and twenty three KOs. So I mean, this isn't a guy you want to put your chin out there.
2: No, 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 absolutely not. Um, I, I, it's, uh, but once again, he... he, he there's a reason that they have an undefeated guy against a guy like Abreu, you know, because he's, you know, who, you know, he, he's there to, to be hit also, you know, he's got five losses and, um but I'm very interested to see him uh, in this and hopefully, you know, before the year's out, he steps up and fights a, a credible guy, you know, before, you know. Because, you know, the Philadelphia hype train is behind him, you know, but I want to see if he's the real deal.
4: Okay, we'll keep an eye out of him, of course. Canelo Alvarez, his lawsuit was in the news this week because they got an attorney from La Honda, California, folks, which is like, is like, like, there's like 18 people living in La Honda, maybe 20, okay, including the mayor. I kid you not. So, anyway, they go and get an attorney from La Honda, California. They file a lawsuit in San Diego court. And they filed it the wrong papers, this kind of good stuff. So the judge scolds him and says, you know what, I'll give you 25 days or 21 days to, to restructure this, this uh, alleged lawsuit. But, of course, Canelo is suing, suing the zone in Oscar De La Hoya because he can't get his, what, $35 bucks a fight? I mean, I'll say this. In, in these times, as bad as things are, I would I mean if they told me I had to, if I was making 35 bucks this an hour and they said to me Pete man you, just for this dude, you got to take 20 an hour I said, oh man I'm going to take a, oh man you got you kill uh, but I would probably have to take it because of the considerations of what's going on you, you know the current environment we don't have it. people buying tickets
2: yeah it it's it's a bad look all the way around uh it start A number 1 is is horrible for boxing uh, Canelo is the biggest star in the sport. Um, he was supposed to fight this weekend uh, that passed uh, with the Mexican uh, Independence Day. It's it's kind of been his day the last couple of years. Um, terrible for the, for the fight game, and it looks very greedy on his part. And I understand an athlete's you know earnings and his career is short. We understand that, and and no one is guaranteed you know. But thirty five million dollars to be squat I mean there's this. I, if you probably took the top ten in what in, in the WBC, their earnings don't add up to thirty-five
3: million.
2: That's insane.
4: The in, in their entire career. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know it, I I think it's greed, and you know, at the same time, I think Canelo you know, Labras You know, I want to say this. Once Roberto Duran got the money, he wasn't really hands of stone no more. He just wasn't. I mean I, I, I told you through once he got the he got the one point five million for the first Leonard fight. It was the most he'd ever made in his life. I think the most he ever got before was like three or four hundred grand for a fight. Okay, so he went from three or four hundred grand to one point five million and then they gave him a rematch within I think they told him I told you they gave him like thirty six days for the rematch and he was like fifty pounds overweight. You know what I'm saying? So they offered him 8.5 million dollars for that rematch, though. So they offered him all that kind of money. He couldn't turn it down. You couldn't turn down. I mean, when you're a guy from the from the hood in Panama, you'll you'll cut off your arm to make that weight. Of course, he cut off his arm to make the weight. He wasn't in good shape, and of course, Ray was about to knock him out. And he said no mas. But you know, the, I think the money the money ruined Duran, and d- d- just money has a bad be- money has. Money in boxers. I mean, if I could put them on an allowance forever, I would.
2: Yeah, well, what's uh, Bob Arum's old line? You got to keep the fighter broke and 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 in tax trouble, right? To keep him hungry. So, you know, I mean, eight million dollars, bro. That's a lot. That's a lot of money nowadays. Imagine back in what, was it nineteen eighty one? Yeah. Uh-huh. That's. I mean, wow. I mean, these guys now that don't make eight million dollars.
4: Well anyway, my brother, we'll be watching the fights tonight. Of course, we'll talk to you next week. Say hello to your agent. Say hello to your lovely wife. Have a great week. Um, try to put some positive on this, cause you know, what did I say, Notorious R V G has gone. let's leave it at that. Yeah. Hey, and yeah. in, in, in the same week that Biggie's crown sold for six hundred and fifty thousand bucks his plastic crown, Notorious R V G passes away. Life is Socrates Palmer on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network.
1: Seating tip of the day, presented by Free All Deep Penetrating Oil. You're all set for a quick tire rotation until you have a rusted-on wheel. Coat those lug nuts in penetrating oil, let them sit for a few minutes, and you'll have them off in a cinch. Now give a generous spray into each mounting hole, place a 2x4 on the outer edge of the wheel, and smack the wood with a mallet, just enough to create some braking force and vibration. Repeat if necessary. And now a word from Free All. Stop wasting your time struggling to loosen
0: rusted nuts and bolts. Start using Free All Deep Penetrating Oil.
6: Listen up, sports fans. This is Rick Tittle here to tell you about our favorite sports book, and that's BetUS.com. Football, basketball, and baseball are all back, and that means it's time to get in your bets. BetUS.com is the pioneer in online betting with more than 25 years in the business. You need a sports book with integrity and longevity, and you need to know that you're going to get paid. You need a sports book that offers everything, including live betting, MMA, Golf, horses, esports, entertainment, and all kinds of crazy prop bets and futures. Call today at 1 800 MyBetUS. That's 1 800 M Y B E T U S, and they will walk you through getting started. Nobody in the industry gives bigger bonuses than BetUS. Join now, mention Rick Tittle. That's me, and you can get up to 150% in bonuses on your first deposit. Nobody beats that. 25 years in the business and the best bonuses. BetUS should be your sports book. Once again, join today. Call 800-MYBETUS and mention Rick Tittle, betus.com. With the real estate market evolving, realtors stand ready to help. Realtors are an expert voice of reason in changing times, and they're working in new ways to guide you through virtual showings and safe closings, to be your ally in the fight for mortgage relief, to understand a neighborhood the way no algorithm can. That's the role of a realtor. This is a real estate season like no other, and realtors are ready. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. That's who we are. Here comes
0: the decision now. Let's listen.
4: Clarity in the world of professional boxing is spelled WBO. That's right, the World Boxing Organization is boxing's only transparent, sanctioned body. You can follow the WBO on Facebook or check out their website, wboboxing.com. This is wboboxing.com.
5: The World Boxing Organization. Done it. We have a new heavyweight champion in the world! Bruce is, you know, was 32 years old. Let me explain something about his death, too, because there's, I guess, so many, you know, rumors that are going about about how he uh, passed away and so forth, about touch of death and drugs and so forth. And so I'd like to clarify that before we go on with the demonstration. Is Bruce, in 1968... Well, uh, you know, he's pretty heavy in, in the weightlifting, as you could tell. He was very well built. And uh, he was lifting weights one night with uh, Karim Jabbar, who was a student of his uh, when, he was, uh, when he was in Los Angeles, playing at UCLA. And he tried to lift too many, too heavy weights, and he ruptured the disc in his back, and he was laid up in the hospital for three weeks. In fact, the doctor said that they didn't know if he'd be able to walk again or not. But, of course, with a person like Bruce, who's got the drive and determination to achieve anything in life, he was up in about a month, and, uh, and within three months, he was as strong as he ever was. But he had constant back pains from that day on. And he was having to take medication to keep the muscles in the back loose and relaxed. So what happened is that when he was in Hong Kong preparing for his uh, next movie, he was uh, working with a a girl named Betty, uh, who was going to co-star with him, and he got a severe headache. So Betty gave him some antibiotics for the headache. And with the uh, medication he had taken for his back and the medication he had taken for his headache, they reacted to each other and made his brain swell up and it created an aneurysm or a ruptured blood cells in his brain. And that's actually what happened. So if anyone asks you what happened, you can tell them the true story.
4: So that's what happened to Bruce Lee. According to Chuck Norris, everybody says, man, what happened to Bruce Lee? Well, uh, bottom line is a woman killed him. She gave him some pills that he wasn't supposed to be taking some unprescribed pills and Bruce Lee was dead. Bottom line is, man, you know, what can I say? He was the iconic figure of mixed martial arts. God knows what Uh, what happened, how the world of MMA would have evolved had Bruce Lee stayed alive, of course, died in 1973 at the age of, what, 33 years old? Bottom line is MMA rock and roll night. of course, Kobe Covening, Donald Trump's favorite fighter, what is he, 19, take it back, 15 and 2, of course. He's been stopped once, and, of course, he's been uh, knocked out once, but he's a hell of a fighter. There's no, no doubt about it. And right now, he's a almost a 4-1 to one favorite over the former champion, Tyrone Woodley. Of course, Woodley coming in at 19-5, but he, he looks so uninspired of late, so we really don't know what Woodley's going to show up. At one point in time, he was a really good fighter. I mean, he was a champion, he defended the title a few times, but... Somehow he just lost his mojo once he he lost a uh, uh the to ya the current champion i mean that was the sort of it he lost his mojo and speaking of uh, the current champion. He'll be good now next week against a monster by the name of Paolo Acosta. I'll get to that in a minute. But the bottom line is USC is going tonight. I said Kobe Covington in the main event, of course, coming to you from Las Vegas, Nevada. they still got that thing going in Vegas. I think next week they're going to switch to uh, back to Dubai. But Kobe Covington taking on Tyrone Woodley in a five-round bout at 170 pounds. Of course, they went in at 170 yesterday knowing mixed martial arts. <clears throat> These guys are about 195, 190, 195 today. Um, that's not fair. Donald Sterling, the Cowboys, and Nico Features taking on Nico Price. Uh, There's a monster on the car at middleweight. This is like the next Khabib. His name is Kazmat Chimev. And he's taking on a guy by the name of Gerald Merchkai. But the bottom line is Gerald's going to be lunch meat within like one round. I've seen this guy fight, and he looks like he looks like a monster. Good lord! Another guy that weighs in like at 185 pounds and comes into the octagon, the cage, or the ring of uh, the ring of battle, call it what you want, at better than 200 pounds. I don't think guys should go in that kind of weight because it's an unfair advantage. And I told you once before. Uh, if I told you once, I've told you a thousand times. Size matters in two things: pornography and combat sports. Also on the card, Johnny Walker is taking on Ryan Span outside of that. Mackenzie Dern is in a woman's uh, strawweight, about 150 pounds. They got on Randall Marcos. The rest of the UFC schedule, ho-hum, ho-hum, ho-hum. It just is. Of course, next week you've got, as I said, Paolo Costa. If ever there was a guy that was a, a, a poster boy for steroids, this guy looks like the guy to me. He I mean, looks. I mean, I'm susp- I'm not saying... I'm definitely sure he's on steroids. I'm just trying to say, if there's a guy that looks like he's on Flintstone vitamins, it's this guy. He is a monster. 12-0, I think he's got 12 knockouts. Of course, the champion is a bad dude, no doubt about it. Israel Adesana has beaten everybody they put in front of him. I mean, everybody they put in front of him. 19 fights, 19 wins. How many by knockout? 14. Five by decision. Bottom line is, he's not a submission artist. He knocks people out and or beats them up boxing. Um, At the end of the day... He's a get-this, like, you know, an incredible favorite here, and and he should be. I mean, because the champion is... He's an incredible athlete. He just is. I mean, I watch him work, guys. He's he's a favorite here in some of the sports books. But then once the Brazilian money gets rolling in on Costa, and there will be some Brazilian money on this one, okay, I think the odds are going to slide back towards Costa, and I think Costa will end up being the favorite uh, or close to the favorite come fight time because money, money moves the line. I think these people down there in Brazil think this guy is the next rising star, of course, the next, the next phenom, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, the next iconic fighter. I don't know. He might be just another guy on Flintstone Vitamins. Dominic Reyes and the co-feature taking on Jan Blankowicz. That's going to be a good fight at light heavyweight, 205 pounds. Of course, these guys are going to fight, for, I think, for a, a vacant title. This is For the vacant title, of course, uh, Don John Jones, the former UFC light heavyweight champion for a long time. I mean, the real guy. The real deal of 205 pounds unbeaten, except for that one disqualification loss that he had. Um, and of course, we also have the Flintstone Vitamins issues, but he's moving up to heavyweight. He says he wants to fight heavyweight, and that will be one hell of an encounter. John Jones and anybody else at heavyweight. Of course, the current heavyweights walk around, and some of them at 265 pounds, walk walk into the octagon weighing 265, which is the division limit. That's as much as you can weigh, okay? And he's going to come in about 215, 220 max. I mean, he's not going to be able to put too much more weight on a 205-pound body. I look at him physically and I say to myself, yeah, he can fight at heavyweight. There's no doubt about it. He's long, lean, 6'2". I mean, he can punch. He can fight. He can wrestle. I mean, he's a complete fighter. There's no doubt about it when he's not on steroids, um, but at heavyweight, I mean, Stipe Miocic, he beats Stippy Miocic, I mean, sorry Stippy, but he beats you, he just does, I mean, just like he beat Cormier, he beat Cormier time and time and time again, of course, Cormier is saying that uh, a couple of those fights were, hmm, honestly, sort of shady, one for sure, with Flintstone vitamins, but Cormier, never my favorite fighter, he's now a fighter being groomed for the WWE, I mean, the most unexciting fighter, the most... I've had him in the studio. He signed the wall out here for us. Okay, he's not a great interview. I, I don't know what the selling point in Cormier was other than he was a tough old guy with a gut that got it done. I mean, that's about all I can say about Daniel Cormier. And you know what? He won fights. So I didn't think he was good when he beat he beat Josh Barnett. He beat Frank Mir. When he beat Frank Mir, as, easy, as easily as he beat Frank Mir, I was like, whoa, my mind. Whoa, whoa. But, of course, he went on to bigger and greater things, so... As far as the heavyweight divisions right now, it's all about Francis Ngannou. Of course, a twice-beaten guy, originally from Africa. Then he went to Paris. He was fighting professional as a boxer in Paris and then switched over to MMA. Of course, he lost that first title fight to Stippy Miocic in five rounds, had Miocic out in the first round, but he couldn't put him out, had him rolling and rolling. I mean, Stippy was like in bad shape, but Stippy came back and won a five-round decision <coughs> because Francis had no ground game. Francis had no B to the A. There was an A, an A, A. He had no B, and that meant <clears throat> stand-up fighting. Of course, the most, the most awesome puncher, and I think he punches harder than Ernie Shavers and or George Foreman. In fact, speaking of George Foreman, somebody wanted to know <coughs> Who punched harder, George Foreman or Mike Tyson? So I went to the guy that fought them both. I'm talking about Dave Jacob, He was on the show a couple weeks ago. I forgot to ask him this, so I asked him when I called him. He said, Foreman hit harder than, than Tyson. Tyson hit faster. But Foreman hit harder. There was just no doubt about it. Once Foreman hit you, it was all over. So, as far as the heavyweight division in the world of mixed martial arts is concerned, without Francis Ngannou fighting for the title, I don't want to see any more heavyweight fights. I really don't. As far as the rest of the year is concerned, of course, Khabib coming back, the UFC lightweight champion. <clears throat> Unbeaten in his lifetime, never lost a round in a gym. Of course, out of the American Kickboxing Academy down here in Silicon Valley, USA, October 25th, at a site to be determined. I think they're going to do this in Dubai. I think they do this in Dubai It's a Flash Forum. Uh, not set in stone yet, but I don't think Khabib wants to come over to the United States because so they won't let his father over here or something like that. Something about uh, his father might be, uh, his father was a bit shady, I think, and he couldn't get a passport to certain places. Anyway, Khabib versus Justin Gaeth going down October 25th. Of course, that's going to rock and roll, no doubt about it, for the lightweight championship. <clears throat> but again, Justin Gaeth will be at a severe disadvantage because when Khabib weighs in 155 pounds, he goes out and gains 20 pounds and comes in like close to 180. So what I'm trying to tell you is that imagine this: you're going you're a 147 pound fighter, like a welterweight. I'll, t- I'll take you back, take you back to my weight, 139 pounds. You weigh 139 pounds. You get into the uh, ring, maybe about 143, 144, maybe. I mean, maybe. If you weigh in in the morning, you gain three or four pounds, yeah, eh, that's about it. Okay, um, you don't pose a significant, as we again get said again, size matters in two things: combat sports and pornography. Um, but you don't get a tremendous advantage over a couple of pounds in, in a boxing match, okay? You can after you get significant amounts of weight. Of course, like Orlando Slita mugging of Vasily Lomachenko, ruining that undefeated record. But for the most part, you know, you don't have people laying on top of you that weigh 20 pounds more than you. I mean, how do you lift a guy off you that weighs 20, 25 pounds more than you? You can't do it without straining yourself or, or going the extra. I mean, it's just not fair. That's why they have weight limits. I think the guy should be able to weigh... What they fight at. In other words, if he's going to defend the title at 155, let him stand outside the octagon when he steps into the ring and steps into that cage at 155 pounds. Let's weigh everybody before they, get on the, before they go in the fight. I mean, let's do it that way. Let's make combat sports fair. This idea of weighing guys in the day before. I remember when it, it first, came, uh, it first came, the concept first came into play, it was uh, 1988, of course, Frank Tate. The 1984 Olympic gold medals was having a hard time making weight, defending the IBF 160-pound championship uh, against Michael Second and none. and uh, they decided. Actually, his manager Bob Bob uh, Spagnola asked the network and the athletic commission to hold the weigh-in a day early. So they held the weigh-in a day early, and of course, he was dying. Frank Tate was barely barely made the weight as he did. Of course, didn't fight much after that, but he was a champion. But that was the beginning of the day before weigh-ins. Then they said it was safer to weigh guys in the day before than it was the day of the fight because guys get a chance to rehydrate themselves. But back to what I was saying, if you're fighting at the way you're supposed to be fighting hey, eh, you know, I mean, I fought a junior welterweight. I could make junior welterweight. If you wanted me to step into the ring at 139 pounds, I could have done so. Okay? That makes me a junior welterweight. Okay? But when you're a junior welterweight and you step I on mean, one guy I fought, I mean, I'll tell you the truth. Uh, we weighed in and, 100 and I weighed 141 pounds for the National national Golden Glove Championships in Las Vegas, Nevada. I think we were at the showboat. And I fought Ernie Chavez. And Ernie Chavez weighed in at 147. <clears throat> and when we fought the following Friday, <clears throat> we weighed in on a Tuesday. When we fought the following Friday, um, I got a bye. And I was supposed to fight and that didn't happen. I mean, that was that was nerve wracking. Imagine that. You're sitting in the showboat hotel about to fight. You're all wrapped up in gloves and everything. And then they called off the fight. Anyway, that moved me up a bracket. As far as to the semifinals were concerned, and I ended up hanging with hanging with a guy named Ernie Chavez, okay, who looked really fat. I mean, when I saw him at the weigh-in, he looked like a real skinny guy. When I saw him in the ring, he looked really fat and big. And I said to the people working on my corner, this is not the same guy. This is not the same guy I waited in against. This is his brother. And they're looking at me, man, Have you have you been smoking weed in the locker room? No, no, I'm telling you, this ain't him. Something's wrong. Something's rotten in Denmark. <clears throat> It was him. He gained, get this, he weighed in at 147 steaming. He was 168 plus when he got into the ring that night with me. So, you know, I mean, I'm boxing this fat guy around until he hit me. Hit me with that right hook. It was a southpaw, Hardest I've ever been hit in my life. Talk about getting hit with an ashtray. I think that was it. Bottom line is he dropped me twice, and I knew that the end was near, and the referee asked me, do you want to do any more? I said, hell no. Stop this fight right now. And they stopped in the second round. What I'm trying to tell you was he had that 20-pound weight advantage, okay? Uh, That played a significant role because he hit me a lot harder than somebody would if they were weighing in my weight class. That's what I'm trying to tell you. So guys that gain weight, women that gain weight, uh, Chris Cyborg Santos, of course, she's one of them, and she weighs in at 145, she comes into the cage at 165, 170 pounds. This is not fair. Why do they have weight classes? Why even have weigh-ins? If you're not going to make people get to weight or fight at weight. I remember when I fought in, was it Tucson, Arizona? We went down there fight in the, in the World Police Games. And get this, folks. Guess what the weigh-in was? I show up at the weigh-in. I'm like, I, I, they had to, I, it was 147 pounds. So I had no problems making that back in the day at all. I, can, I was weighing in 141 for wealth weight fights. So anyway, 142. Because I was lazy. Didn't want to make the 39. Cut the extra two pounds, which was a mistake. But, you know, I went down to to Tucson, Arizona. Fought in the World Police Games. And they they had the official weigh in the day of the fights so i show up to this auditorium in tucson this and that and i'm down there by myself because this corner the the men i'm going to be working with they're going to be brought in from tucson and they're going to meet me later in the day so i'm going to go to the weigh-in all on myself so i go to the weigh-in and there's no scale so the guy says to me you're fighting this guy and i said wait wait where's the scale he goes you look about his size i kid you not the world police games that's boxing You're tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide. Next up, we'll talk about tonight's fights, of course, coming to you live both on Showtime and ESPN+.
1: Mike Tyson's fighting again. You
4: interested in coming back to fight Mike Tyson, maybe?
3: Yeah, I'd love to fight him, man. I can take him now, Pedro.
4: You can take whatever. Why would you say you can take him now? What's the difference between now and well,
3: 1986? Well, because he's old and so, I need to give me, give me two months, at least eight to ten weeks to train for him. I, can, I My boxing skills are better than his.
0: Now, more of Ring Talk with Pedro Fernandez.
6: I'm just ready to get
2: it on and crush this guy's skull.
4: This is the Tower of Power harmonizing from like 2007, 2008. Man, they can really rock out there. You are tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide. You're inside looking at the world of boxing and MMA. Now, scheduled for the Sunday show Ring Talk Live Worldwide, Sunday, of course, uh, September 20th, 2020. We expect the iconic HBO Godfather himself, talking about Larry Merchant, to spend some time with us. If we are lucky, of course, um, Kenny Raid from the UK will be here. And the man that discovered. Manny Pacquiao, the Pac-Man. I'm talking about Sidney Hall. Sidney Hall is committed to tomorrow. Sidney Hall is a bit of a flake when it comes to interviews, but he's an attorney from Burlingame, California, and we hope to get him on tomorrow to talk about, of course, how he discovered Manny Pacquiao and how he told me about this little fury Filipino and all this kind of good stuff. And I was like, yeah, yeah, over a lunch one night. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the bottom line is look what happened to the Pac-Man. Still rock and rolling, 41 years old. Of course, the WBA welterweight title holder. You are tuned to in the Ring Talk Live Worldwide. Check it. You're inside look into the world of boxing and MMA, often imitated but never duplicated. This is actually, we're celebrating our 37th year in radio today. And I didn't make a big deal about it because the bottom line is it's not really a big deal. It's just another show. So I hope I entertained you. I hope I informed you. And the bottom line is you know I talk from the heart. As honest as I can, and have been for 37 plus years. And you know, and there's a million things you could be doing right now. The fact you listen to Ring Talk Live Worldwide, well, guess what? Pedro Fernandez thanks you from the bottom of my heart. Bottom line is don't forget our podcasts are at anchor.com, Ring Talk Live Worldwide. Until next time, Saturday and Sunday, 11 a.m. Pacific time, live on these same stations, Ring Talk Live Worldwide.